As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12 football podcast. I'm Jason Kersey. He's Max Olson. Max, we had a pretty uh, interesting week of Big 12 football last week to talk about, um, even if one game didn't happen. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's always funny taping these podcasts and then sort of like bracing for, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen after we finish taping this. I know. The West Virginia-Oklahoma game was canceled, what, an hour after we were I want to say it was. Week? Yeah, right. Um, and uh, and there's a chance that uh, Oklahoma Baylor will will not happen either. The Lincoln Riley not optimistic. Mac Rhodes yesterday apparently was not optimistic. And um, yeah, so Oklahoma could lose two games in a row. We'll get into that a little bit later. But there is a chance that by the time you listen to this podcast, Oklahoma Baylor has been canceled. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to keep we're gonna have to keep checking Twitter or something during this because it just feels like it's inevitable. But but you never know these days. Yeah, I mean Oklahoma is so desperate right now that they've got Bob Stoops out there. I don't know, coaching the defensive line or something. Local tequila salesman, uh, Bob Stoops, back in back in action. That is correct. That's correct, and we will get into that. We have to start today, Max, with Iowa State. I mean, there were a lot of good games last week in the Big Twelve that we'll get to: Kansas State, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, giving us a little vintage Big Twelve. But I think we got to start with Iowa State, the clear class of the Big Twelve right now. Not just according to the standings, but according to the college football playoff rankings that, that came out last night. Iowa State uh, ha- has basically locked up a spot in the Big 12 title game. Now, unless – and I'm bad at math. I have to say I'm bad at math, uh, but I tried to run all these scenarios. I think there's still a chance Iowa State could get left out with a loss next week. But it's a very, very small chance. Yeah, it would just be if they were going head-to-head with Oklahoma State for a spot, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's what it would ultimately come down yeah. to because it, it right right now it looks pretty pretty good for them uh, for for Iowa State and you wrote about them on Saturday they beat Texas twenty three twenty and we'll get into what that means for Texas later but um, just a monumental win for the Cyclones on on Friday. Yeah, that that's an incredible win for Iowa State um, in a lot of ways when when you kind of appreciate the journey for them and and where it started five years ago under Matt Campbell. I know that it was easy to watch that game and, and you know, kind of focus on, wow, Texas kind of blew it in the fourth quarter, right? But I, I was just so impressed by the toughness of that Iowa State team, um, the way that they played with their backs against the wall that whole game pretty much, and, you know, wasn't perfect in a lot of ways, um, you know, but they they were the better team, the tougher team in the final, final five minutes there, and that's what mattered. And uh, you could see the emotion from Matt Campbell after the game. This was... Uh, a huge step for their program, and as much as he tries to stay focused on the process and what's ahead here, I, I think you could s- clearly see it, uh, how much he loves his guys and, and, and just kind of an appreciation of how far they've come. I mean, they and they have come so far. I mean, this is a program that had some really high moments when Paul Rhodes was coach. I, you know, those I'm so proud of you speeches. Yep. And he was Paul yep. Rhodes was an easy guy to cheer for, um, but it just didn't work out. And and you know it almost made me wonder like if a guy if a guy if an Iowa guy like Paul Rhodes from Ankeny Iowa 
who, you know, has that team. They obviously loved him. If he can't win there, then then is there any hope for this young upstart, Matt Campbell? You know, I mean, I really kind of had those thoughts. Um, and boy. Yeah, and, you know, they he he sort of rallied uh, his guys around this idea of, look, look, we're, we're done being the laughing stock of the Big 12 that we're, we're trying to, you know, bring some respectability back here. And, and you know, it's it's a cool thing to see. You, you think back a couple of years ago, they started pulling all these upsets and, you know, you had those guys, the the David Montgomery's and and uh, Joel Lannings and Kyle Kemp's, who kind of paved the paved the way here a little bit with um, some big wins and and showing everybody kind of how hard you have to work to be successful there. But to see Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and and the guys they've got kind of take the baton there and, and raise it to an even higher level is uh, it's just so impressive. It really is. Well, I I have to. Uh apologize publicly to Brock Purdy because it was just, I think two or three podcasts ago when I talked about how inconsistent he was and how I, we never know what we're going to get with him. The last two weeks, he's been pretty exceptional. He really has. Yeah. I mean, yeah he's he been really great. Has. So uh, public apologies from me to Brock Purdy. I'm, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, and that it's, 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 you know, and then you, we talk about how far they've come too. I mean, it, that Louisiana game just feels like so long ago now, you know, they've, they've just, that's a team that that really figured it out after that, and uh, absolutely deserves to be in the Big Twelve title game. It's it's crazy how it all played out, uh, but um, you know the the move up to number nine in the new college football playoff rankings. I know that surprised some people uh, on Tuesday, but I think it makes sense. I mean, you yeah. look at the resume now and how it's filling out. They beat Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma State. I don't. I don't really totally get how Oklahoma State jumped all the way up to fifteen from twenty three. That was weird. That was weird. That, that was weird. Yeah. Uh, but if that happens, then that benefits. You know, that, that that at least gives a little bit more respect on Iowa State that that's the team they lost to. And then Louisiana moved into the number twenty five spot. So if the committee sees them as a top twenty five caliber team, then you know you're going to put some more respect on Iowa State. Uh. Uh, see what you saying that makes me want to go into the conversation that I think everybody's probably wondering: Is there a real chance? Is there a chance for the Big Twelve? Not champ? a real chance. Not a real chance. But I mean, we could talk about it. I mean, what they're they're at nine and eleven, uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma. I mean, it's not likely, but I, I don't know. There's just a little part of me that thinks, oh my god, are they going to find a way to sco- to sneak their way into this thing? I just with the way it's set up this year, if it were a year where it just seemed like each, you know, there was one team from each conference that had a, had a spot, you would say, okay, maybe there's a chance to to make a case here. But with the way that it seems like Clemson and Notre Dame could get in, the way that you know, if Florida wins, then you're gonna have Florida and Alabama in the playoff. Um, I just think everyone would have to kind of clear the lane for Iowa State or Oklahoma. It would have to be. A&M losing, right, A&M. And Florida losing, and Cincinnati losing. And, you know, I mean, it, it would just take Ohio State losing or or basically being shut down, um, you know, USC. I mean, it, there's all these teams that kind of still stand in the way of the Big 12 champ. But in a normal year, this would be – it would be kind of an interesting case for how high up should a two-loss team, you know, finish in this deal. It's just you know you, you think back about that that Louisiana game and if they had if they had shown up and won that game I, I think we'd be having a totally different conversation right now. I mean you know I think it's just schedule someone easy right you get to choose your opponent <laughs> that week you know yeah. what was <laughs> just what was wrong with Northern Iowa or something right yeah I mean I think West Virginia played Eastern Kentucky like just go just go schedule a patsy you know in that first game and I look I, I I'm sure Matt Campbell and those guys would say look we we got better after that there are there were some benefits but where I guess where would Iowa State be now if they'd played a nobody in non-conference play which doesn't matter because nobody else is playing non-conference games mm-hmm. um and then you just have the one score loss to Oklahoma State yeah where would they be would they be top five? They'd be ahead of Cincinnati. Would they just be like I think right they'd be behind, ahead. right behind Florida. You think? Yeah, I, I think they'd be ahead of Cincinnati. So maybe in the yeah in the five, six, seven range, because because your one loss is to number fifteen Oklahoma State, which isn't bad yeah. at all. No, you're right. And oh, even the, and even though Louisiana is ranked, they're still a Group of Five team, and that's still going to be held against them, whether yeah. that's right or wrong. But it's it was a home loss. It wasn't a one score margin kind of game. Yeah, it's going to keep being held against them. So. Little bit of a little bit of an oops in hindsight, um, but 
but <laughs> Louisiana but, was also good. We we know yeah. Louisiana's good. You know that's true. That's true. And if you're Iowa State, gosh, you have to be happy with this. I mean, geez, you don't want to get too ahead of yeah. yourself. You're 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 Iowa State, and you're going in all likelihood to the Big Twelve Championship game. And I I think Oklahoma would probably be favored against them this time. I d- but I don't think I think on a neutral site you probably would say Oklahoma's favored, wouldn't you? Yeah, probably. But I don't. I'm not ruling out Iowa State Big 12 championship at all. I mean, they're yeah. a good team. They're a good team. They're a tough team. And they've already beaten OU once. Now, Perkins, Stevenson being back, OU's playing a lot better now. But still, I mean, that they beat this, this, this program beat Baker Mayfield too. I mean, this isn't, they're, yeah. they're not to be messed with. They're not to yeah. be messed yeah. with. Yeah. I think that line would be pretty, I don't know. You'd think it'd just be a couple points, wouldn't you? Yeah, five maybe at most. At most, that might be a little high. That yeah, might be I a little know. high. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, while we're on the subject of Iowa State, Max, we got to talk about Brees Hall, um, Heisman Trophy candidate Brees Hall. Uh, you've got a you, you've been working on a little something about Brees. Why, why don't you talk about that a little bit? I have. Yeah, I uh, I apologize to our Iowa State listeners who've been who've been waiting patiently for more Iowa State coverage on on the Athletic, but we've got. A good feature coming on Brees Hall um, here later this week about um, just you know wh- how he got so good, how Iowa State found him, um, you know just what makes him so special. So hopefully people will uh, will check that out. But it's been fun to put together. Yeah, I know he's your favorite player in the Big Twelve, Jason. So well, it's him it or was, Deuce. Uh, it's him or Deuce Vaughn, and you will introduce yeah big features about both of them. This so. is this is what we do. We got to give the people what they want. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he and it was just I got to talk with him on Zoom for 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 I don't know close to an hour or so. Just an awesome kid. Uh, it's crazy to think, man, um, that that since he played uh, that first big game last year against West Virginia, after not really being in the fe- in, in the picture at all for their game, uh, for their run game, um, you know, seventeen games since then, he's he's put up twenty four hundred total yards and twenty seven touchdowns in seventeen games. I mean, it's just. He, he's it, it's funny because Jared Patterson going off for Buffalo kind of skews these stats, but you know since he became a starter as a true freshman, he's he's been uh, you know one of the two or three best running backs in all of college football. So um, and he's still just nineteen, still got his braces and everything. I mean he's he's just getting started. I I support adult braces. I had braces when I was like twenty four. Yeah. So yeah, I should have had braces. Yeah, yeah, it sucked at the time, but I'm glad that I did it. Um, but no, twenty four, huh? Wow. No, no, I think I got them put on when I was 24. Like oh, I, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Was that was that tough? Yeah, it was terrible. It was, it, you know, because there's that like, little tinge of embarrassment, which there shouldn't be. And now that I'm past it, I realize that. But when I was 24 and I was, and then I had to have. How long did you have to have them on? Three years and I had jaw surgery. Oh I like, I had corrective jaw oh surgery too to fix my underbite. So yeah, no, I hope he doesn't wow. have to do that because that, pardon my language, fucking sucks. Um, okay. in every way. I, I will have to ask. I will ask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that'll make the story. I lost, um, I lost, but, I lost 30 pounds after that surgery and I'm, I'm not really? a big guy anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. How well, we've, that, uh, what's the correlation there? What do you mean? <laughs> How do you, you lose weight after a jaw correction? Yeah. Because I couldn't eat solid food. Oh, that makes sense. My yeah. wife. I need to do one of those. That, my, so, that sounds like a nice, <laughs> nice way to cut down. My wife, then girlfriend uh, Annie, uh, had to uh, like blend me up a roast beef sandwich. It was disgusting. It was just terrible. They gave us like a cookbook. You guys, you of, guys just took your blender to Arby's and just plugged it in. And... <laughs> it was terrible, man. It was terrible. <laughs> well, now that we've gotten past the orthodontic section of the podcast, yeah, um, didn't see that coming. Love it, <laughs> Max. We got to talk about Texas. Um, I okay. mean. You know, we we asked the question in the teaser trailer of this podcast: Is Texas really back? And they're not. Um, and I think after that game, they've had a couple of really high profile opt outs. Now, um, mm-hmm. the the urban speculation is louder than it's ever been before. I mean, what is going on in Austin right now, Max? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, it it feels pretty pretty gloomy right now. Um, I th- I think that it's a it's it's, it's Texas, so it, it's crazy. It's crazy that it's come to this where you know certainly they as we've talked about many times they circled twenty twenty as the big year, the year when they made the Big Twelve title run. They had all the pieces, you know, all these these top recruits they brought in are older and experienced. You've got the senior quarterback. Um, you know, and, and then didn't, just didn't, didn't, didn't get the job done, you know, just, just didn't, you know, put together a season that was good enough. And, and it, it might be crazy to say, you know, look, they could finish seven and three with three extremely close losses. So that would be kind of a crazy way for this to end for Tom Herman with a pretty good season that just wasn't good enough. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, what can you say? I, I I think there's an understanding here that, um, as 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 Bruce Feldman has reported, that Texas is probably getting ready to move on here. Now, I don't have any. I, I don't think that all this is being talked about under this assumption that Urban Meyer is ready to go, and I just don't think we know that, right? right. I mean, do do you feel like, you know, have having been around that a little bit, the Big Noon Kickoff Show, and, and how much he enjoys that, and how much he enjoys a much easier lifestyle, the fact that he had the health issues at Ohio State. Like I think this is all kind of rolling along under this assumption that Urban Meyer is ready to come back, and to me that still feels like a little bit of a mystery. Yeah, and, and by the way, I think Urban Meyer is very good on TV too. I mean, I think he's yeah, good. oh he's, absolutely, he's really good at it. And so, um, you know, sometimes we we just assume these guys are itching to get back into coaching. I mean, it took John Gruden how long of years and years of us speculating about that? I think oh, the difference. Yeah, I think the sure. difference with Urban is that we've seen this movie before. You know, I think that's probably the reason that speculation is so rampant is because we saw him step down from Florida, citing health issues. A couple of years later, he's back at Ohio State. So why wouldn't he? Right. Why wouldn't he be the guy that maybe thinks he can he can be the one to turn it around at Texas? But but I've also got to say, and, and maybe I'm in the minority here and certainly sounds like the momentum is heading that way. I just don't think it's right to fire Tom Herman this year. I, I just don't. I, I think, like you said, we're talking about three close losses an entirely new coaching staff this year, a pandemic. Yeah. Um, I, I feel and, like him and, and look, Mike, you can't, you can't guys, get around the fact that you, you can't get around the fact we're talking about $25 million total, you know, well, I know too. offsets will reduce that and stuff, but I mean, you're, you're talking about making, you know, making a move that would require, you know, one of the biggest buyouts of all time, basically to say, Hey, we're, we're pretty good, but, but we could do better. So, right. you know, that's 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 a wrap after four years, but well, this is uh, this is Texas, man. It's it's just different. It's just different when you when you as we've talked about on this pod, when you have this kind of problem over four years of kind of over promising and, and under delivering, with the exception of twenty eighteen, um, you know, with where recruiting's at right now, with you know just I think uh, an impatience now. Honestly, people I think fans are are just fed up and and. Yeah. I, the, the the hard thing is if Urban Meyer says you know what I'm good no no amount of money could bring me back then then what do you do if you're Texas I I don't think that there's a way now to go back to Tom Herman and say oh we missed on Urban but everything's cool you know come on come on back right I I think that you go through a search and and I don't know I Chris Delconi could pull a rabbit out of his hat I, I I wouldn't put it past him but I don't have a great sense at, at the moment and what we'll to I have to work on my list you know everyone has a list whenever these things happen of of all these names people people need to hire. I got to start working on my list because I I don't know if it's not Urban Meyer. Um it's a it's a unique crop of coaches this year. I don't know how many of them fit Texas. How many of them are, a, you know, demonstrably an upgrade over what you've got in Tom Herman. So, it's an it's a very interesting dilemma if Urban Meyer says, "No thanks, I'm good." Yeah. I mean, the th- 
I, I guess for me, it's not even about the money. It's just about whether it's the right or wrong thing to do for the program. Like I just, yeah, you, you have not, you have not lost fewer than four games since 2009. I mean, you, you, you've gone through three head coaches in that time. Um, and Tom Herman, like, like I said, I mean, he's just hired a whole new staff that didn't get the regular sort of off season. I just don't know that right. it's fair, uh, but th- it also feels like the train has sort of left the station. Like, I don't know that you can really get that back. The, the interesting thing for me though, is that Tom Herman was the perfect hire for them four years ago. I mean, it was, right. it was a slam yep. dunk. Yeah. He, he chose Texas over LSU. Like it was a, it was a slam dunk hire. Guy who had been a, a Texas grad assistant, loved loved it, had done a great job at Houston, was the up-and-coming offensive coordinator. Everything about this hire said it was a slam yep. dunk. So where do you go from there, especially yeah, if you don't get thing. Urban Meyer? I, 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 right. I, I don't think you can have some revisionist history that that wasn't the right move at the time. Right. I think that, that was plainly obvious to everyone when you're ready to move on from Charlie Strong after – after another bad season, losing to Kansas and all that, that, I mean, it, it's easier to make that move when you know that guy down at Houston is killing it. And so, yeah, I, I don't, as much as I, you know, really like a guy like Sonny Dykes, I, I don't know that there's that in-state coach this year that it, the whole fan base would rally around and say, this has got to be the next guy at Texas. So, um, I don't know. I mean, we, I know this from talking with Chris Delconi over the years that he believes every program at Texas should be a top 10 program. And so, that's the standard, and I and and you know if, um you know if the job opens up, he'll go find a guy that he thinks can run a top ten program, and so that's a it's a it's a short list, and probably very expensive, and you you if you're gonna come at one of these these big time guys, you can't miss, right? But um, <laughs> I it, it's still just wild to me that we've reached this point, Jason. It, it honestly is, and not to say that I thought Texas was going to be a playoff team this year, or you know that I was all the way bought in on. This working, I wrote before the season that no team in the last decade at the at the Power Five level has hired two new coordinators, brand new coordinators, and, and won a conference title in the same year. So we knew that it was going to be really challenging. But yeah, it just the way it went, and we talked about the eyes of Texas uh, issue, um, you know, earlier the season on the podcast. That kind of stuff, the politics of all this, the you know, it it, it Texas it goes way beyond the record. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and we've seen now the 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 fallout of these three losses. Sam Cosme is opting out. Caden Stearns yep. has opted out. Um, they've lost a bunch of really big recruits here in the last few weeks. I mean, it, it sort of feels like it's falling apart. And then at the end of all of it is Sam Ellinger, who um, I get I, I I make people mad on Twitter because I'm the OU beat writer defending Sam Ellinger as often as I do. I just think this is totally unfair that he had to end his career the way that he did. I mean, and it's yep. not it's not all um, everyone else's fault. Sam has been inconsistent at times too, um, but this guy is just Mister Texas. If anyone was going to be able to be the quarterback to lead them back, it felt like Sam Ellinger was going to be it. Um, I, our, our pal Cedric Golden uh, wrote uh, last weekend that. Sam Ellinger is an all-time good, but not all-time great quarterback. And I thought that was a really good way to put hmm. it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the Sam Ellinger legacy, legacy is going to be a really interesting discussion in the years to come here. Um, you know, we'll see where he ends up in the draft and all that. I, I think that, you know, that's a, that's a dude who busted his ass, I think, and earned a lot of respect. I think even if you were an Oklahoma fan or an A&M fan, or, or, or just deeply hate Texas, I think hope, hope I would think over the four years you came to respect Sam Ellinger a little bit. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, maybe part of the legacy is that he took Texas from bad to good, you know, and, and they're not great yet, right? They're not all the way back. But um, his four years as a starter gave them a lot of stability to get things right or, or get things back in the right direction. And I know nobody wanted it more than he did in terms of winning the Big 12 and um, you know, kind of capping this off the right way, but um, yeah, it's a it's a weird th- the the stats that the career stats he's going to end up putting up will will keep him in that you know top three or whatever top five of all time of Texas quarterbacks, but um, you know you don't have you don't have that final piece of the puzzle there, and and you know I, you could pro- you come up with a lot of excuses for that, right? I think the OC stuff was always kind of the play calling deal was always kind of weird for four years. Um, didn't have very good receivers this year. There, you can you can kind of nitpick it if you want, but um, yeah, it's it's a it's a huge bummer for Sam Ellinger that this is this is how it ends. 
Yeah, it, it, it really is. And I mean, maybe he's a guy that we'll look back in four or five years, whether Tom Herman is still the coach or not, or whether we'll look back in four or five years and say, hey, he put up big numbers and you can sort of see those four years as the transition from bad to really good again. Maybe that will be his legacy, but we won't know that for another five yeah, years. Yeah, I, I wondered if, and maybe Texas has, maybe Herman and Texas have, have you know, like this could have been the way it ended um, and, and I, I don't know, maybe Texas has messed this up and maybe this is, you know, a big reset now coming ahead, but I kind of look at him as he could be that guy, kind of like the Taj Boyd that helped set Clemson up for all this success under Watson and Lawrence and, and, and ever since. Right. right. Or, um, or, you know, uh, maybe a, a, a better version of like the JT Barrett, who is just a really, really good player. Everybody respects and loves and, and leads you to a bunch of wins. Didn't lead you to a national title, but, but got you close, you know? And so, I I think he can be that kind of guy in terms of Texas history, but that depends on what comes next and if they can if they can have big time success because there's still a lot of talent on this roster. Whoever steps in here is probably going to convince themselves that they can win right away. Um, and and so I guess these next couple of years probably help affect that quite a bit in terms of how people look back on on Ellinger's career. Yeah. Well, uh, Max, uh, moving on to another game, we got to see some like old. Not old school, but, you know, some vintage Big 12 football in Stillwater. Sure. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, what a game. Um, we can talk um, – there's a million things we can talk about with this game, but, I mean, uh, who the heck is Desmond Jackson? Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, that was that that was pretty impressive. One of the best probably cameo performances in all the Big 12 this year with Desmond Jackson coming in, uh, a running back for Oklahoma State, a Juco transfer after uh, – after you know, no Chuba Hubbard, no LD Brown, it's all on him. Um, and and the <laughs> the workload he got against Texas Tech was was crazy. Thirty six rushes, two hundred and thirty five yards, three touchdowns. That that's a pretty decent day, I would say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was. I, I, I joked about it on Saturday, but that was uh, really was pure unfiltered Big Twelve football. There, I mean, it was that run that we had of. Touchdown, 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 uh, which included, of course, the onside kick uh, that failed and turned to a score. And then the, uh, you know, the pick six right after right. that. But then Texas Tech goes down and scores. I mean, it was fantastic. Now, we have to talk about the, de- the, the decision to go for that onside kick, right? Texas Tech takes 28-24 lead in the third quarter, tries to surprise onside kick. I think everybody listening probably knows what happened. It went right to Jason Taylor for Oklahoma State, who went right untouched into the end yeah. zone. I actually kind of like the call. I, if it had been executed better, I actually like the call. Um, and I thought Matt Wells' explanation of it, which is that you know, they liked the look, uh, they always sort of thought if we get a lead, we're going to go for it. I, I like that sort of aggression, but they just executed it really poorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's There's been a bunch of that with Texas tech this year, just sort of weird uh, special teams execution and stuff like that. But I, I agree with you, like, pl- you know, play to win the game, you know, play, know that you're the underdog and know that you've got to do some stuff. Your team's not totally ready to play, you know, play even with Oklahoma state. So you got to get creative. I, I, I was okay with the, the choice. And you, you know, usually you get, you know, you get made fun of when it backfires like that. But I mean, I think I, it's unfortunate. Now, obviously, Oklahoma State could have scored there at the very end with Desmond Jackson again. So to say it came down to six points is not maybe totally fair to Texas Tech. But um, <laughs> I was okay with it. I was also blown away to see it happen again the next day in the NFL with with AJ Brown of the Titans doing the exact same thing. How often do you see that? I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. Now, as far as Desmond Jackson's decision there at the end of the game, are you pro or anti going down at the end of a game like that? Are you are you are you okay uh, with it? Yeah, I think in a game like that, that's been such a shootout. I think you go. I think you do that. Yeah, I think you do that. And I think that um, you know we saw that in Texas Tech, Texas, where they, in hindsight, Texas Tech wishes they had done that. But yeah, I think when you know Texas Tech can probably go move down the field on you really quickly and score, then um, and then maybe kick an onside. I, I I don't know. I, I think it was okay for where he did it. It's fine. I don't know that I would be that classy though. Like. Yeah, you know, I, I would probably want to score another touchdown. I remember Samaj P. Ryan did that a few years ago in Bedlam. Like you, you've right. seen that sort of thing happen from time to time, but I don't know. I, I 
Maybe that's just a reflection of my character. I don't know. I would I would want to score the touchdown. You want the points. I yeah. want the points. I, I, I probably would too. Probably and, what, would and didn't that end up affecting the line, by the way? I think it did. You think it did? Uh, probably did, yeah. Well, yeah. Tech, Oklahoma State was a 10.5 point favorite. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's so. brutal. <laughs> I was going to say, we did pretty well in our picks last week. Um, we went 4-0 in terms of picking the winners. We just were a little off. Yeah. On some of those lines, so I guess part of that is is Desmond Jackson's fault for sure. Yeah, let's yeah let's blame him. Um, yeah. As far as Texas Tech goes, I mean they go out in the second half and put on a really impressive offensive performance against what we had spent most of the year saying was the Big 12's best defense. Alan yeah. Bowman comes in his first start in a while. Um, I think he's still I, I I think he's a very easy guy to root for given all he's been through. Um, what did you make of Texas Tech? Yeah, they they did some really nice stuff in that game, and that's. You know, it, it's been inconsistent this year, obviously, but that's kind of the Texas Tech that I think we expected to see a little bit more of this year, that they had the pieces, um, you know, offensively. I, I think Sardar Thompson's been awesome this year, and I think so is, so is easy. And so um, if you could get the steady quarterback play, you figure this is a team that could put up a lot more points. And so it's obviously not the way they want to play defense, but, um, you know, the, it, it is nice to see every once in a while here that, like, okay, that – that's what it can look like, you know, if they can get some consistency from week to week in what they're doing. Um, and maybe that's easier in 2021 for everybody, right? Because it's just been such a weird year. But, um, yeah, I thought, you know, you saw the offensive weapons show up in that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a it was a really fun battle between who are, I think, two the two best receivers in the league. We got to see both of them sort of go at it, or at least the two most productive receivers in the league. It was a it was a really fun game. I I thoroughly yeah, it enjoyed was. it. I, it was. I, I missed that kind of bit. You know, all, all these Big Twelve games now come down to defense and running the ball and all that. So it was nice to it was nice to see the old school style. Another great game in in, uh, in the Big Twelve conference, which I, I did not expect to enjoy watching as much as I did. Yeah. Was Baylor Kansas State. In fact, I enjoyed it so much I watched it again on Sunday um, because I, I was such a fascinating game. Uh, partly, I was doing that to prepare for OU Baylor, which may or may not happen this week. But also, it was just a really, really impressive second half performance. But I think Kansas. Yeah, State, re- recap how that game started in case anybody yeah, missed it. Yeah, let's 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 go through the first quarter for Baylor, okay. which won the game. By the way, it was one of the worst first quarters I've ever seen. Uh, in the first quarter alone, Baylor had one first down. They allowed four sacks. They bobbled a hold on an extra point. They gave up a 75-yard touchdown run. They had a punt blocked. They muffed a punt return. They had their best defensive back, JT Woods, ejected for targeting. Um, at one point late in the first half, Baylor had 65 total yards and 47 penalty yards. Okay? Wow. And they won wow. the game. So Kansas State yeah. has to be kicking themselves because this this game was theirs for the taking. It was, and I thought um, there were, you know, the, I think it's encouraging some of the, the, I thought Will Howard made some good plays toward the end of that game and, and probably gained a little bit of confidence in that one. You saw Deuce Vaughn uh, shake loose again, but um, yeah, what a what a weird, what a weird kind of game, but Baylor really needed that. You know, they really did. I think that um, it's just so tough when you lose. I think, I think they'd lost five in a row, I want to say, and you just, with a new staff and all that, um, it, it's, we're, we're seeing right now, obviously, as we get to December, there's certainly, uh, players around the country who were opting out and kind of checking out and all that. And so, uh, to get that kind of a performance, that kind of a resilient performance on kind of a messy day, um, it's big for Dave Aranda and his staff. I think it really is in terms of just having a little, you know, positive reinforcement for what they're trying to do. Totally. Totally. I thought it was an incredibly gutsy performance. I mean, you're, you're a team that has had the problems, the close losses that they've had all year. You're down. You're, I mean, no one watching probably thought Kansas State was going to lose that game at halftime. Baylor could do nothing. They come out, make some great adjustments. Charlie Brewer, Charlie Brewer's final oh numbers. God. I mean, yeah. 31 of 39, 349 yards, two touchdowns. That's a hell of a performance. And and, and ran for more, too. And ran yeah. for more. He, that's, I mean, that is a hell of a performance by him yeah, and by that was. Sneed. I, I saw and the play by RJ Sneed to make the dude fly into the sideline and go score was incredible. Um, yeah. But that was a that was a big. I saw a lot after that game. There was a lot of people f- saying, "Hey, let's put some respect back on Charlie Brewer here." Like it's it's been a tough year. Um, there's been a bunch of weeks when Baylor hasn't played well, and people have said, "Well, wait, why don't they put in one of these backups?" You know, and I think it's 
that kind of a fight from Charlie Brewer was awesome to see. And that's just, you know, it hasn't gone right this year in a lot of ways, but um, it was good to see, uh, you know, a vintage performance from him in a, in a big game that, that um, he can, he can step up and deliver. Yeah. Now, as far as Kansas state goes, I mean, the fall that they've had here in the last yeah. four weeks. Um, yeah. And again, they should have won this game. I mean, the, you take away the first half. I, I, I think about the, the fourth quarter, they had three massive personal foul penalties that directly impacted the game. I mean, they just were, they were undisciplined. They were not what I expect to see from Kansas state. And so I, I, where do you go from here? If you're Kansas state, I mean, you, you, for the first several weeks of this season, they were a favorite to get to the big 12 title game. And now they look a lot more like the team that lost Arkansas state. Yeah. It's been interesting to see you, you you rise up and have all that success. And then you kind of come back down to earth here. Like they have, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, I thought that, um, I, I, in some ways I, maybe this is what I kind of expected would happen in year one with, with Chris Kleiman that, you know, you would kind of have to work through some of the, you know, how much talent do they leave you? Those kind of concerns that you had with K-State at the end of the Snyder era. And, um, I think the number of transfers they're dealing with this fall is, is interesting. It seems like they're kind of in a position right now where they're having to kind of figure out, okay, who, who are, who are our guys? Kind of, how do we get this culture right? How do we set the right standard here when things aren't going right? Uh, because it was so successful right away last season. Um, so I think it's been kind of a, a critical year for, for that staff and those players to, um, you know, now that you've kind of run into a little bit of a rut here, how do you fix it? And I think it's, um, you know, I think I, I think I maybe asked you on the pod a week or two ago is, is Kansas state kind of done for 2020 and, I don't mean that disrespectfully or anything, but I just think, um, you know, it's this was kind of a 500 kind of team, you know, probably, and uh, they just started really strong. But uh, I think they've got some things to fix here for 2020. I, th- I think they've got some things to fix here as they start thinking about 21 and and how do you, you know, how do you how do you take that step of becoming that team that uh, you know can can go win eight or nine games. Yeah, well, the the game had some interesting Big Twelve title game race implications because Kansas state losing um, again, according to my maybe not perfect math, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, I think Oklahoma now controls its own destiny in the big 12 title race because Kansas state dropped uh, below. Now Kansas state could still beat Texas this week, which wouldn't be shocking given what Texas is going through. But even so I think Kansas state won't be able to, to, to impact the Big 12 title race, at least as it relates to Oklahoma, the way that they would have if they would have beaten Baylor. So um, now we look at the Big 12 title race where Iowa State, and it looks like we're it looks like we're staring down a, an Iowa State Oklahoma rematch, which I think would be great. Yeah, I, I think we're definitely heading in that direction, and I think that's that's a good thing. I think that's going to be an awesome uh, challenge for Oklahoma, a chance to avenge uh, a, a really tough road loss for them. Uh, you know, it's pretty clear now. I think Iowa State's in with a win. Oklahoma's in by winning out and, you know, Oklahoma state's in if they win out and Oklahoma loses. Um, and, and, you know, I think that that kind of, it's kind of clear here. Now, obviously the road ahead is a little treacherous in terms of, you know, we may dip into this whole, all right, how many games, um, you know, get played here of the remaining schedule, but, um, and, and, and the, the shuffling of the schedule here is, is going to be, uh, I think pretty important, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think Oklahoma, Iowa state is, is where we're heading. I, 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 could we go back? I wonder if we could go back to one of these old podcasts and say, it, it, there must be one of these weeks when we said that's what it's going to be. Right. Uh, At some I, point we figured that out. Maybe you did. I don't think I did. <laughs> I, I didn't think until Bedlam probably it didn't. I mean, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sold on OU making it back. I, I just wasn't. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. I was starting to get that way when they beat Texas Tech and Kansas the way they did, but when they crushed Oklahoma State, that, that sort of became real to me. And that, you know, that's the thing that could trip OU up right now is if they can't play Baylor this weekend, which again, I'm sure by the time you guys are listening, uh, our listeners are listening to this, we will have some clarity on that game. Um, but if they can't play that game and then for whatever reason can't play West Virginia, they run a very real risk of dropping below the league average and being held out of the Big 12 title game. Which would really suck for them, but yeah, that's the, those are the rules everyone agreed to. So I mean, what can you do? Um, but and then you right give now, Iowa State a chance to avenge a lost Oklahoma State potentially. Then you and know. they would. I think they would. 
I think they probably would too. Yeah. I think they would beat them. Yeah. It's, it's interesting where it goes from here. Um, and, and, you know, the scheduling here is, is it's going to get a little funky. You know, we, we saw yesterday that TCU added Louisiana tech, uh, for a game on December 12th because they never made up their uh, game that was canceled uh, against SMU. Um, and, and TCU's trying to finish with a winning record. So they're, they're trying to add a game back. Um, we'll see, you know, Mac Rhodes, the Baylor AD has kind of thrown it out there that, that Baylor may try to make up their non-conference game that they lost this week. If they can't play Oklahoma or if Oklahoma can't play them, I should say. Um, so he's got some backup plans kind of lined up and they need some clarity on that today. Um, the, the, the rescheduling shuffle for December 12th might get a little funky if Oklahoma Baylor can't play. Cause I think you probably have to just straight up cancel that since you have to, yeah. Oklahoma's already got West Virginia on the 12th. You know, we've got Baylor, Oklahoma State on the 12th, which I like if if Oklahoma, Iowa State is playing in Arlington, then I like I guess you could play Oklahoma State Baylor on the 19th, but yeah. That's kind of weird too, right? If if they're sort of tied and you're still having Oklahoma State play another game, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, that that would be weird. Obviously, but, Oklahoma but it, has the head-to-head edge, but still, I mean, I so it, it'll be a little. It could get a little funky here. I, I don't know that there's a way to play Oklahoma Baylor if they if they call it off. No, that's I, I agree. I don't think that it's possible um, unless unless you you know you you schedule that game for December nineteenth, and you know, an Oklahoma State and Iowa State end up in the Big Twelve title game. I guess, but I don't really even know if that's possible. Yeah, so, could you do could you do Oklahoma Baylor at 11 a.m. in Arlington? It's an easy trip for Baylor, and then have Oklahoma Iowa State be like the seven o'clock kick there at uh, at Jerry World. If that would they be went. cool. No, That'd be cool. No, no, I'm, I'm I'm sure they've got high school playoff championships that night because that's how this scheduling all worked out. So um, I don't think that would work, but that that but would I, be kind of funny if it was a win and you're in kind of deal. But I like where your head's at. <laughs> eh, you know, we'll make it up. Um, no, it's going to be really interesting. And another interesting plausible scenario is if Oklahoma, Iowa State, and uh, and Oklahoma State end up tied. So West Virginia beats Iowa State this week. Uh, they end up all seven and two, and Kansas State beats Texas, which again is not out of the realm of possibility because of the way Texas seems to, you know, the, the situation they seem to be in. If that happens, I believe it comes down to point differential. And that is where Oklahoma crushing Oklahoma State makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, because Iowa yeah. State beat OU by seven, Oklahoma State beat Iowa State by th- three, and then Oklahoma crushed Oklahoma State. So that would give you Oklahoma versus Iowa State. Are, are you still rooting for the outcome where we've got four, six, and three teams? Would you like to see that? Is that even possible anymore? I don't. I think, think it's possible. possible. Yeah. How is it possible? Because Iowa State's only got one game left. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. No, I take no. That back. My scenario two weeks ago was there are six teams tied at six and three. Maybe that was last week. Yeah. Oh, that's that there right. Are six that's teams. Right. But I don't think that's possible anymore because now Kansas State has four losses. Right. Yeah. I would say it's only got one left. You're right. Yeah. <sighs> so I don't think. Yeah. We, we missed out. We missed out. Oh, well. Um, before we get into picks, uh, we have to talk about uh, a pretty major uh bit of coaching staff news yeah jason was this norman, a big deal in norman this week this 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 whole bob stoops returning to the sideline it's um, yeah it's massive um, how about that you know and it was funny because lincoln riley you know the i had been hearing a lot uh, over the several days and leading up to it that the assistant coaches had been hit pretty hard by this by this uh, okay. outbreak um but and and so yesterday on the press conference lincoln who who can be pretty media savvy. You could sort of tell he knew that this was going to be the big story of the yeah. day. We're yeah. all, you know, he's sitting there answering a question about assistance. And then at the end, he just kind of smirks and goes, yeah, we brought coach Stoops out of retirement and smirked. And it was like, okay, that's going to be the, the only yeah, thing. The, the sly smile was really funny. Cause I, I think it was maybe Eric Bailey who was next to was like, uh, could you, could, could you elaborate on that real quick? <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what's that mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bob Stoops, uh, Maybe the first person in college football history to be an assistant coach at a place with a statue of him on the outside. I don't know if there are some Heisman winners elsewhere who became assistant yeah. coaches, maybe, but um, pretty wild. You think maybe like Spurrier showed up to a Florida practice and and told people to do some things, maybe. But that's maybe. that's all I can think of, you know. Yeah, but it, it's pretty cool. I mean, this is a guy who still lives in Norman. He's still around the program a decent amount. 
He's still yeah. technically on the payroll as special assistant to Joe Castiglione, which is how they've gotten away with this, by the way, because I actually right. followed up mostly tongue in cheek asking Lincoln if they would ever get desperate enough to also bring Barry Switzer out of retirement. You know, he lives in Norman, too. Um, but he's, his response was basically, well, we can we can have Bob because he's on the payroll. Switzer's mm. not, unfortunately. But I mean, they so could it's fix just, that. It's just really a tough loss for rock and roll tequila for this week. For this week, at least. Yeah. But as a brand ambassador, I mean, to, to have him on the sideline, if he could if he could just be like holding up a bottle on the sideline while coaching, I think that would, <laughs> or that would probably do a lot and, for him. He wears rock and roll tequila polo instead of the OU one. Or maybe a, a <laughs> rock Bob and roll Stoops visor. On, a rock yeah. and roll visor. Uh, if Bob Stoops is wearing a tequila visor and an Oklahoma polo on Saturday, I think that'd be incredible. I think that's what we that's what's got to happen. You know, his business partners need to tell him, "Hey, Bob, if you're going to do this, we got to we got to do this right." Yeah, I mean, look, where where are your loyalties, Bob? I mean, you work for Rock and Roll Tequila now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but no, it it, it's past. it's fun, and the and I think maybe the funniest thing about it all was at the end of the day. So we go through the whole day of all these stories being written. I got my story written about Bob and then Bob issues a statement through OU that basically says, this isn't a big deal. Stop making this a big deal, which is the most <laughs> Bob Stoop thing ever. Like you read that statement in his voice. I wish there was a good Bob Stoops impersonator we could have that could just read that statement in Bob's voice, because you can tell that's not one that Mike Houck wrote for him. That was Bob. Right. Those are Bob Stoops words. It's like Bob, no one thinks you're staging a coup here. We know you're just hanging out, you know? <laughs> so, no, but it's a fun story for the week, and uh, yeah. you gotta love it. I mean, how cool is that? It really did is. They, did they cool. even say? Did Lincoln even say what position group he's helping with? No, is that a, that's he, a mystery. If he does that, then he reveals then we know who who's has out. COVID, yeah. which he doesn't want to do. So, um, but no, I mean, you know, Bob, we could play detective here. Bob Stoops was a secondary coach in his previous life. He was a defensive coordinator in his previous life, although. I don't know that it would be a good idea to have a man call the defense on Saturday who hasn't called defense in 25 years, but you know, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. No, I uh, think it's fantastic. I, I, this is, you know, we, we knew this season was going to get weird. Obviously things are like pretty around the country right now in college football and, and outside of college football, things are pretty, pretty dark and scary right now. So it's nice to have something fun to rally around, you know, the good yeah, kind of weird. You're you're in Nebraska. Would you know? Would Nebraska ever bring Tom Osborne out of retirement to help out Scott Frost? Or? Tom Tom Osborne definitely will like show up to practices and sort of like watch, yeah, watch over it a little bit, you know. And uh, he's he's been known to do that, but I don't know that he he's going to grab the whistle and, and step in there and uh, and run some drills, coach running backs or something. Yeah, yeah. Although <laughs> I mean, probably awesome. probably would be awesome. Yeah. So that, that he might that need a, a megaphone, very, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's. I, I think it's great. I think it's great that, and you know, you know, I think we've all been wondering, kind of, uh, you know, with with the XFL shutting down like it did. You know, what's Bob gonna do? You know, uh, obviously he's he's not the head coach of Florida State this year, despite some reports. And you know, <laughs> you, you're wondering what he was gonna do next. It's it's cool to see him hanging around and and getting the maybe getting the itch again a little bit. Because. I, I would imagine, too, that the reason he felt obligated to issue that statement, and again, this is just speculating. I don't know anything, but I would guess the reason he issued that statement is to try to preempt some of the, what does this mean? Is he going to be the next Michigan coach? Is he going to be the next whatever? I, I think yeah, those if Lincoln are the things. Lo- if, if, if Oklahoma loses this game, is Lincoln done? Is that it? You know, <laughs> He's going he's gonna to pull a Jay Leno Conan thing. On him. Yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's going to take his time slot back. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, that was a fun, that was a very fun thing uh, to, to have happen. And I, and that for, for that reason, not, not, not that reason alone, but it's an extra reason. You know, I hope that game happens. I mean, we can start the picks there, right? With, with Baylor at Oklahoma. Let's do it. Yeah. Oklahoma is a 22 point favorite, but I mean, Jason, if, could you kind of recap where, you know, I'm checking my phone here. I don't see any cancellation so far, but Nothing I mean, yet. how you know how how optimistic or pessimistic are you about this this game happening? Um, I'm not super optimistic about it because we've had two days of Lincoln Riley on the Big Twelve teleconference and on his press conference, sounding extremely not optimistic about Pretty it. Pretty ominous, um, yeah. Uh, I I think I I don't think the odds are good. I, I don't think it's impossible. I think you know 
it's certainly possible the game gets played. But if it gets played, I think Oklahoma wins by more than 22 points. I'll say that. I mean, after watching Baylor, that was a gutsy performance. Charlie Brewer played a hell of a yeah. game. And I believe Dave Aranda is a really good coach who's got the, who's going to be fine in the long run. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, you know, unless Oklahoma is missing dozens of players because of COVID or something, I, I, I think Oklahoma wins this game relatively comfortably. I think if you – yeah, I, I agree. I think Oklahoma as a 22-point favorite – I mean, they'd probably be a 22-point favorite against most teams in the Big 12 right now, just with the way they're playing, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, maybe not that high, but um, I'm going to take Oklahoma minus 22 as well. Um, I just think if they can play this game – now, we'll see. You, you you saw the numbers they put out this week. Well, I think, what, what was it, 25, 26 active cases within, uh, among student-athletes in, in OU athletics. Now, we don't know exactly how many of that is football, but um, with that and contact tracing, you know, does that weaken you uh, enough that – it's a closer game, I guess, potentially, but um, it's so hard to know when you don't know who's out, you know, what position groups are affected. But I, I would think if they play this game, Oklahoma still finds a way to cover. And, and look, I think they probably understand, too, that, you know, while they're not playing for a playoff spot here, I think they're still trying to play for, you know, play for that final ranking, play for some respect, and they're, they're going to want to put up a lot of points. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I do wonder, just as a quick aside, uh, you know, yesterday the CDC issued new guidance uh, on contact tracing and on quarantining, yeah. and I do wonder if that could make a difference even this week, because contact tracing I know has been a real problem at Oklahoma and everywhere. So I wonder if maybe the the like lighter guidance on that might help. help yeah, that that's interesting. Uh, that those those new guidelines I think definitely will help college basketball. Um, quite a bit in trying to pull off a season, which is not going very well so far. Right. Um, and it may help, you know, it may help college football get through this postseason, you know, and, and, and through the conversational games and all that kind of stuff. So that, um, you know, that, that was an interesting development for sure in terms of uh, one that I'm sure ADs and coaches uh, care a lot about. Uh, moving on in the picks and actually, should we even move on in the picks max? Because there are five games. There's like two or three next week. I don't think I can catch up with you. I'm seven games back. I, I actually don't think that it is any more mathematically possible for me to catch up with you anymore. Look, so I, I we don't even need get, to do picks. You know, <laughs> I, I think it's important that you get back to 500. You know, I think that's I think that's a good goal for you to set. You have a chance to do that this week because you're now 17 and 20. Um, I'm, I'm and, and went two and two last week, as did I. Um, I'm now 24 and 13. Um, have not bet any of my own money on this, which is probably a mistake on my part um i'm glad i but, have uh yeah 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 well, well let's let's let well all right all right you talk me into it we'll keep going i'm playing for all pride right. now um uh, let's get you texas, over 500 we got time to do that yeah <laughs> texas is a 10 point favorite at kansas state you go first uh, um i think i i would go i would go K State plus ten. I'm. I, I, that's not to say Texas is by far the better team, and I'm in. You know, I think missing Sam Cosme hurts a lot, and, and Derek Kersher is also dealing with an injury. Um, I think they can be okay at safety without Stearns. Um, but there's also been a report this week that Texas is dealing with cases, um, and and we'll see how the Wednesday testing goes for them. So maybe this game's a little bit in jeopardy too. But um, I just think Texas is probably going to play another close game. You know, that's just kind of where I, I, I think K-State uh, is not the better team, but they're probably tech, catching Texas on the right week in terms of Texas's focus, just not not totally being right. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. I, I think I, I'll pick Kansas State plus 10. And, you know, I know we're not picking straight up winners, but I don't if we were, I might pick Kansas State. Yeah, I, I, I really yeah. might. Just given the fact that it's there, Texas has all these problems. They've got all this coaching talk sort of hovering over them it just feels like the sort of game that texas could could get could get beat um so, weather won't uh, be that bad i i kind of wondered if a december game in manhattan was going to be brutal for texas it looks like the high is like 50 on saturday so that's, that's not as okay bad, but that's not bad um but that's not you know that i, I fit it's also k-state's not not a, not a fun place to go to so i think it'll be a close game i do um and and you hope k-state can uh um, can kind of put together a complete performance here um, after coming really close against Baylor. All right, Max, moving on. Oklahoma State, two-and-a-half-point favorite at TCU. I was surprised this line was as small as it is. And, yeah. I mean, I I'm, I don't really have much problem at all saying Oklahoma State, 
easily. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I watched TCU Kansas and, you, you know, there were some defensive scores there at the end that blew up that, that margin there quite a bit. Um, and Kansas just really couldn't, couldn't do very much. I, I think there were some good steps there for TCU. Good to see Zach Evans, you know, get to a hundred yards. Um, and I, defensively they, they, they played really well, uh, but it's Kansas. It can't, it's kind of the get right game for everybody, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I would take Oklahoma State minus two and a half. You know, not having Tevin Jenkins, who uh, who's done playing this season, is um, an interesting problem for an Oklahoma State offensive line that hasn't been very good this year. So that right. may, that could be a little bit of an X factor there, in that we know TCU is probably going to be able to get after uh, yeah. after the quarterback there. Yeah, if there's one thing we can say about TCU, it's that they can do that. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. They, they they could definitely do that. So, but Oklahoma State still has something to play for here. I mean, they are not they out do. of the Big Twelve title race. So. They do. Um, we'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. Kansas at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, 27 and a half. I'm done picking Kansas against the spread. So You know, Texas it's kind of interesting, though. I, when I saw this line, <laughs> I was I looked at it, and I was like, you know, Kansas, Kansas beat them straight up last year, you know, yeah. in Lawrence. And so it was 27 and a half. Is that too many points? Um, but uh, I, I think I think you can go with Texas Tech. I they they have, like as I said they haven't been very consistent so I could see this game being weirdly close and and strange but um you know I think there's a lot of people this season that have just bet against Kansas every every game and, and have done pretty well doing so yeah so um yeah I I also will go with Texas Tech finally the game of the week without a doubt West Virginia yeah. at Iowa State Iowa State's a seven point favorite um. I, I'm fast. I cannot wait to watch this game, honestly. Yeah, I think it's yeah. going to be a great game. Um, and I don't think – I think Iowa State's going to win, but I, I think it's going to be closer than seven. I really do. I think West Virginia's defense is that good. You know, I wrote that down too. Um, I, West Virginia plus seven is like a little bit intriguing. Now, I, I will say in talking with Iowa State folks this week, they're not – no one's like sitting around names like patting each other on the back saying we did it. I, I, They've they've been hard at work on West Virginia because they know this team matches up well with them and it can give them some problems with what they do defensively. Um, you know, West Virginia's last two losses were by margins of seven points and four points. And so, you know, the only bat, you know, the only blowout was not really a blowout of 14 points against Oklahoma State. Um, so – I think West Virginia can play them close. I don't think Iowa State's going to overlook this game, though. So I do think Iowa State will get it done. Um, but I could see this being, you know, similar to last week, where it's it's. I, I think there there will be a better performance by Iowa State, but West Virginia can hang in here. Mm-hmm. Well, West Virginia is a good team, and yep. by the way, I think we we have to say too that it's pretty cool to hear Neil Brown sort of shoot down any talk of him you know, looking elsewhere. Or, or oh yeah. Because, because yeah. I, I love what he's doing there. I think he's a great coach and I think that he can really do some great things at West Virginia if he, if he gives it time. So I was, I was glad to hear that he's not looking. He's not on the market this year. Yeah. I, I think that makes a, a lot of sense for them. Um, and, and, and I think he wants to, you know, keep building and have success there. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, I, I think West Virginia is going to put up a good fight this week. Now, it, would you be surprised if this was a game that Iowa State won like thirty-one to ten? I mean, probably not. I mean, there's no. there's that they have that capability um, when yeah. they play a really complete game. Um, so it could be that kind of a game, but I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. Well, Max, we we made it through another one. We made it through another podcast. So uh, <laughs> let's see. Let me check my phone here. Any any games canceled? I, I don't I don't think not so. yet. It's gonna. It'll happen an hour or so after we stop recording. That's gonna be what happens. That's kind of a guarantee. Yeah, I've pretty much resigned myself to that. So apologies if you're listening to this on Thursday morning and half of what we talked about is not relevant anymore. But you know, what are you gonna do this weekend if you don't have a game to cover? I'll watch other games, kind of like I did last weekend, probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing answer. super exciting. Nothing super yeah. exciting. I'm gonna watch up, West Virginia. Put up the Christmas tree and all that. Oh, that's already done. That's yeah. Done. Same here. Same here. So, uh, that's we, good. we like we do that early. Not we did it even before Thanksgiving this year. We don't usually do that, but we did this. Yeah, year. we did it right before Thanksgiving this year. This was this was this was a little new for us. We got a big old big old fake tree this year. Awesome. awesome. Nothing wrong with fake trees. I I had fake trees my whole life. Did you have? Did you get real trees when you were a kid? We we had we had a, a long run of real trees. We did really. Yeah, and then one of them. 
uh, one year was like sprayed with something that made my mom really, really sick. And so she forbid us from ever doing real trees ever again. So oh. now we're, we're on, we've been on the fake tree since then. I don't know if you've ever had health issues related to your Christmas tree, but it can't happen. No, no, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah. that's crazy. We never had real trees growing up. Never, never had them, but, um, all right. Well, Max, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you as always. And thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, as, you, as, uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, we please subscribe. It. Please subscribe to our show. One true pod on Apple or Spotify, leave us a review and a good rating and find our stories on the athletic. If you're not yet a subscriber to the athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash one true pod. You don't just get the best college football coverage. You get all of our sports coverage. So be sure to take advantage and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.